Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Lionshare Bookkeeping believes the key to generating wealth is understanding where it comes from and where it needs to go. They provide bookkeeping and financial coaching exclusively to real estate investors, focusing on cash flow, strategy, and action. Go to lionsharebookkeeping.com forward slash apartments to connect with them now. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Mitch Rosen. Thanks for being on the show, Mitch. Thanks, Whitney, for having me. Nice to meet you. You as well. And Mitch is a senior director, head of real estate at Yield Street. He entered the real estate investment space as an analyst at Capital Trust at the time of publicly traded mortgage REIT, specializing in subordinate debt lending. Mitch joined J.P. Morgan in July of 2000 after graduating from Emory University with a BBA concentration in finance. Mitch, welcome to the show. I'm always grateful to have just your level of expertise as you know part of our guests and provide that value to the listeners. You know, just from your experience, give us a little more about you know maybe what you do right now and how you got there. Maybe we can talk a little bit about maybe the background of Yield Street and but a little bit about your experience getting up to that, and and then let's dive into you know what is Yield Street, right? You know, and we can talk about the differences a little bit, and love to hear your thoughts on that and dive in. But give us a little more background, and then let's work up to how you got to Yield Street. Fantastic. So like I had mentioned, I've been in the investment side of CRE my whole career, virtually my whole career. As you mentioned, I worked at a firm called Capital Trust, which is a publicly traded mortgage at the time that focused specifically in the mezzanines part of the capital stack. If you think about pre-2005, most borrowers who needed subordinate debt would basically solicit the mezzanine component separate and distinct from the first mortgage component. And there was a whole host of companies that emerged post-98 to cater to that part of the capital stack. What eventually happened is that the bank said, you know what, we'll just do the whole stack and syndicate the back piece on the follow and make that spread and make that margin, make the fee. And so, you know, yields compress, as you would imagine. But those companies like CapTrust continued to grow and scale as the CMBS market evolved and grew as well. I then left Capital Trust and went to go work for a multi-billion dollar alternative asset management firm called Marathon Asset Management in June of 04. At the time, Marathon was launching a lending program through a balance sheet fund called the Structured Credit Fund. And we grew, I was the third employee hired for that the division with my two bosses at the time. And we grew the group from three people to 20 plus. We had four offices in the country and a $2 billion, you know, primarily first mortgage and supported B-note CRE portfolio, all asset classes nationwide. I then left there in Feb of 13 to join another alternative asset manager called Brigade Capital to spearhead their foray into CMBS investing, primarily commercial mortgage-backed securities and other higher-levered, higher-yielding CRE debt. Wow. Okay. So I wanted to ask you just for a second, though, for our listeners, a lot of terms here, maybe they haven't heard before, like subordinate debt, mezzanine debt, some of those things. Could you just, and we won't spend a ton of time on it. We have done other shows on it, but I just thought it'd be a great time for you to just elaborate different types of debt. What that, just quickly, so they understand what you're talking about when you say subordinate debt versus mezzanine debt or other types of debt. Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about an analogy to buying a home, which would be the most you know conversation for some folks, you buy a house, you go to a bank, you ask for a mortgage of call it 75% of the purchase price. You buy a house for hundred bucks, you borrow $75 and you put up $25 of cash. 
if you use that same analogy for a commercial mortgage property or commercial real estate property, you're buying an office building for $100 and you go to a bank and they give you $75, you may not want to put up $25 of cash. And so another lender will come in and say, hey, I'll give you 10 more dollars and you only put up 15. That $10 from a third-party lender will be more expensive and will be behind the first mortgage and priority repayment. So in the event of a problem going arising, while you are, you know, in theory, senior to the equity of the owner, you are behind a fairly large mortgage and that it has its all complexities tied to it. So that's what a mezzanine or subordinate lending is. Nice. I appreciate that. I just love to explain those things, you know, or have them explained, you know, for the listeners and for all of us uh, so we can all be on the same page. So tell us a little more about Yield Street and what that is. Sure. So Yield Street is an online digital wealth platform. We've been around since 2015 with the mission and goal of trying to bring alternative investments to retail investors. These are, you know, investment opportunities that traditionally have been able to access. And we do that primarily vis-a-vis five different business lines. And then we are continuing to expand, one being real estate, two being litigation finance, three being private business credit, four being marine finance, and then lastly, art finance, mostly asset-based lending. We often partner with third-party originators or directly originate the product ourselves. And we have a unique structure where we are able to balance sheet these investments and close on them and then syndicate through our retail investor network through our website. We've done over $1.7 billion of total closing since 2015. And we've, had, we've repaid both interest and principal over $800 million in that time period. So we're very proud of our track record and the investor group that we have. Yeah, congratulations on that. That's an incredible milestone there as well. And so tell me a little bit about the investor who uses you know, Yield Street. Right. So I think we have two groupings I would, I would highlight. You have what's called the Henry high earning but not rich yet category. People who are maybe on the younger demographic spectrum who are making good incomes, but don't have quite the available investment dollars to put fifty to $100,000 in a specific investment. Maybe they're utilizing stocks and bonds, mutual funds, closed-end funds, but have not really tapped into what I would call the alternative space, whether it be real estate or other asset classes. That's one segment that we definitely cater to. The second one is maybe folks who have more accumulated wealth and are just more open to and excited about different ways to tap into alternative investment product. And the crowd has been a big source of that. And we've tapped into that network and grown that network through our interface and through our marketing and through our investment profiles. And so the goal is to, when we bring an investor on board, have it repeat investors where they come in for one deal with low minimums, right? The key is low minimums, 10, 15, $20,000 per investment, which makes it highly accessible for a broad swath of users. Nice. How does this compare to a REIT? So a REIT is a tax classification, right? As you know, a REIT is required to pay over 90% or approximately 90% of their income distributions to their investors. We are not a REIT. Each investment stands on its own. So if we say close a $100 first mortgage loan and we syndicate it to our investor base, it's either going to be a K-1 statement or a 1099. So we're not issuing like equity shares, right? If you're buying a REIT, a public REIT on the stock exchange, you're buying equity in a public company. We don't issue equity in a company in that nature. Okay, that's great clarification right there. I know that's you know probably something people are asking. So speak to you know like Yield Street versus you know a syndication. You know if somebody's purchasing a 300 unit apartment community and investors think about investing in that versus something like Yield Street, what's the, some differences there? Maybe pros and cons. 
Right. So it's a great question. When you think how people often find investors find these opportunities, it's often word of mouth. It's often through friends or friends of friends who have invested with someone and, and had successful outcomes and say, hey, listen, I put some money in with Mr. Bill and he invested in a 300 unit multifamily like you highlighted and had a good experience. And I've repeated my investments with him or her and we've grown together. We should give it a try. What we've tried to create is a platform by which investors can get some comfort from some form of vetting, if you will, or underwriting of the issuer, the GP, or the deal itself with us and our partners and make it in a very efficient, accessible format. You know, you're tying a bank account to a wallet that we've created. You effectively go on our website and you can read through the investment opportunity. What are the risks? What are the mitigants? pros and cons, things to think about, duration, yield profile, borrower profile. It's a very succinct, easily digestible format that we think enables investors to make an informed decision in a fairly efficient timeframe. Nice. And what about any tax benefits, anything like that with you know something like a yield street investment? So, you know, tax benefits often arise vis-a-vis equity investments, right? The ability to have a K-1 statement which effectively could pass through depreciation amortization. So reduce your taxable income from that specific investment. We are only now getting into the equity business, particularly in CRE. To date, almost every investment we've done has been the form of either first mortgage debt, a mezzanine loan, or pref equity. And so you typically would not have the same kind of tax benefits that equity would provide. That makes sense. That's why I was asking since there's no equity, but it's neat that you all are getting into that as well. You know, since you all are, I guess, could you elaborate on the partnership? If an investor is looking at Yield Street, how do you all vet an operator? How do you, you know, determine that relationship and things like that? Great. That's a great question. So the model to date and, and as it evolves has been that we want to partner with originating partners who have track records we could point to who have some infrastructure on servicing and operations, who've demonstrated the ability to work out loans when things maybe go sideways and have established relationships with borrowers and brokers. And our goal is to leverage those skill sets to partner with them and scale their business, have them focus less of their time on raising capital and more time making solid investments that we could leverage and grow with. And what we're selling to them, what we're kind of pitch to them is that, you know, we could be a scalable partner for you as you grow your business and if you were you know, historically capped by a fund, a small fund maybe, where you have concentration limits on property type, borrower, geography, or single, you know, single investment exposure, maybe it's kept at 5 or 10%, we could be effectively an accordion limited partner. Someone who can scale with you on a bigger loan, take a piece of that loan, and utilize your infrastructure to leverage that investment. And that's typically how we've done it. We've also done direct investments as well. Like I mentioned, I've had 20 years experience myself directly originating and, and underwriting loans. We've probably done about 15% direct, I'd say 85, at least in CRE, third party, vis-a-vis third parties. Nice. But what's your choice of asset class you know, at the moment? I think that evolves day to day. You know, family industrial are ones that a lot of capital is chasing. I'm quite bullish on hotels personally. I do think that there will be a, a fairly robust recovery on the back of continued vaccinations and COVID people getting more comfortable and feeling safer with particularly the the upcoming summer season and going to the fall as the vaccination rates increase. I'm of the belief that, you know, non-business travel, leisure travel, vacations will be a fairly huge boom, if you will, post-pandemic. And I think resort communities and vacation destinations will really benefit off the back of that. I don't see that same kind of velocity of travel in, you know, call it urban 
business hotel type product. Office is really the biggest wild card, I would say. I mean, retail, everyone's talked about it at nauseum. It's challenge. It's systemic. It's not going to benefit from a boom. Move more and more spending habits and move to retail to move to online. The shopping experience in most retailers is a lot of friction costs and time and you know waiting. I don't enjoy shopping in a store for the most part. I think most people don't either. So I think that a lot of the companies ought to evolve. I read an article yesterday about how you know the best retailers that have the most success, Apple, Lululemon, and others like that, are really going to try to extract their stores from a mall, which really only benefits other retailers and not themselves, and move to more you know single location properties. Right, just an Apple store, just a Lululemon store. So I think retail is challenged in a big trouble spot. Office, I don't have information yet to make a prognostication on that. I do think it's going to be challenged. I think that there will be a hybrid model post-pandemic. I think some companies will look to bring back people five days a week. I think some on the other spectrum will continue to do a fully remote like a Yelp or others like that. And there'll be everything in between. I think the longer we have this model of hybrid or work from home, the more ingrained those habits become. So I don't have a great answer for office. And I think that's probably the hardest asset type right now to underwrite. Yeah, for sure. I meant to ask you earlier about you know the investors that are looking to invest in Yield Street for Yield Street. What about minimums? So we try to keep minimums very low. So we have deals that offer as low as five thousand dollars per investment. And so the goal is to make it accessible to everyone. You know, most of our investments, if not all of them, are actually only available to accredited investors for the time being. But with that said, we did launch a forty act fund called the Prism Fund which is open to any type of investor, accredited and non-accredited, with a very low minimum of under $5,000. So people can come in and try the product, see what we kind of investments you make. It's a very broad swath of investments across the different verticals. So you're getting access to all five of those verticals. CRE, I mentioned art, marine finance, litigation, finance, and private business credit in that fund. So it enables you, who are, if you're not accredited, to get exposure to all those different asset classes. Could you give us an example of maybe a recent fund or, you know, if someone invested just the return structure or distributions and things like that? Sure. So I'll speak to the CRE side just because I'm more familiar with it. And it's, you know, what I'm oversee. To date, every single investment has stand at its own SPV. So if I make a $10 million loan, we create a limited liability company. We then syndicate investors to investors through that one investment. So they're really getting bespoke exposure to one property or one investment, whether it be a mortgage loan or a mezzanine loan. In some cases, we may secure a little bit of leverage within that SPV to amplify the return profile. I would say we don't do it very often, but for the better quality real estate with the better borrowers, the market's quite competitive on the rate side. So you might want to get a little bit of leverage to kind of juice your return a bit, but very prudently, very cautiously, we don't ever want to expose investors to a first event. And so we're trying to always minimize, minimize that leverage. We then syndicate that investment through the platform. And we have as few as 50 men and maybe as many as 400 investors, and then we close it. And so the investment's closed. And now those investors will receive oftentimes monthly distributions from interest reserves and or cash flow from the property. And then when the loan is repaid, ideally we collect that capital from the borrower and we distribute it back to the investors. I'd say the average duration from our investments on the CRE side are under three years. In most cases, under two years, in fact. Nice. Would you speak to just some market dynamics and even the implications of just the potential rising rates? Yeah. You know, I'm of the belief that this is more of a blip. I do think that rates will continue to stay low for longer while they may normalize a bit. You know, the 10 years now around 120, I believe, or 130. I don't foresee, look, I'm not a rates guy by any means. So I'm just kind of regurgitating what I've read and what I've seen. 
you know, when you're in a real estate investor, you don't make bets on rates, you make bets on real estate. So I try not to kind of sound overly knowledgeable on this topic. But what I would say is that there's a very clear Fed and monetary policy to ensure low rates for longer. I think the market is reacting to this potential 1.9 trillion federal relief bill. And so when you pump that kind of capital into the economy and you look at what was done previously, it oftentimes results in inflation of some degree. I think if you maintain 2%, I think we're good. I don't see it really spiking much higher. But I mean, rates do have to normalize. But you know, if you get a mortgage at 2.2%, that probably is not a safe spot to be as asset bubbles. What about just your predictions for the commercial real estate market over the next 6 to 12 months or even next quarter? <laughs> I don't think much is changing in the next quarter. There was a great article in Bloomberg this week about you know what the term was purgatory which is really where a lot of CRE investments stand, right? You have a whole host of federal action and state action that have prevented lenders from taking remedies, exercising remedies against delinquent borrowers, whether it be at any property type, retail, office, industrial. If those borrowers in default, most states' court systems are closed. So you've been forced as a lender to work with a borrower to craft a forbearance, a modification, some form of workout, and I do think, you know, looking from March to November of last year, that was the right thing to do, right? You know, this was not of anyone's doing. And as long as the borrower worked in a constructive way, at least speaking from my standpoint, we've worked with them. At this point now, looking a year in, you know, you want to see some type of additional commitment by a borrower to a property that's been delinquent or defaulted, right? Maybe more capital, maybe some type of guarantee, just something to show that you're invested in the property and, and seeing it come through. And I think we're at a function point now where banks and other lenders probably have reached their tipping point and they need to kind of do something about a loan that's on their books that's not accruing interest, it's not being paid interest, maybe taxes delinquent. At that point, I think there's action that has to be taken. I would also add that some folks have read that the courts have recently opined that the CDC guideline on the moratorium for evictions is non-constitutional. So I do think that's going to have an impact as well. If you've been a renter who've not paid rent for nine to 12 months, this could result in people being you know, removed from their homes or having to chew up their rents and work with their landlords. So I think a lot is going to happen from now until December of 2021. There's been a whole talk of distressed, right? It's a very popular buzzword, distressed, distressed, buying distressed notes, buying distressed real estate. I will tell you that we've seen very little to no material distress in the market. And again, that's because of the policies of the federal government and state governments holding off remedies. If those do get lifted, you will see foreclosure notices. You will see keys given back on properties. But I do think it's still six to nine months out. I don't think it's imminent. You mentioned earlier, you know, about like repeat investors. And that's important in, in any of our commercial real estate businesses, right? We strive to have repeat investors. Could you just speak to that a little bit about how Yield Street operates and performs to ensure repeat investors and that investors are satisfied? You know, I think it starts with performance, right? You want to put investors best opportunities that perform in line with expectations. And we're not a loan to own shop. Our business model is to ensure principal protection for our investor base, to work with good borrowers and partners, and to get the cash flow and the current coupon that our investors seek oftentimes, right? This is supplemental income that they want to amplify if they're getting one to 2% from a savings account, even less than that, frankly. Money market funds are basically at 0% rates. If we can provide them with an attractive cash flowing return with repayment upon on maturity, you know that I think garners goodwill and garners repeat business. And they, they come in, they try one investment, maybe two or three, and they get comfortable with it. They see the efficiency, they see the process, 
they get comfortable with that process. Familiarity breeds comfortability and they come back and invest more. And that's really the way that we create enterprise value here at Yield Street, not just for our equity investors in the company, but for our users. And that's really the key. Nice. And anything else about the platform itself that you want to highlight, just for us that are not familiar with it yet, that would be beneficial before we move to a few final questions? I would say that what makes us unique, there are plenty of different real estate crowdfunding platforms out there. There are very few, if any, that I know of. We think we're the only one that has really broad exposure to multiple different asset classes. And so you think about one location to try a bunch of different product types. And again, I mentioned private business credit. I mentioned art, which is very unique. Right. There's actually an article recently about art finance really growing as very affluent owners of art have tapped their art for cash flow. Right. And so we're unique in that positioning. Right. We have asset classes that others do not. I would also add that we are not a traditional crowd platform in the sense that we do have a balance sheet. So when we make an investment, we close on that investment and warehouse it on our platform, on our balance sheet, and then syndicate it on the follow. Whereas other platforms are really your best efforts, more of a broker capacity. They're going to post that investment to the website, solicit capital from the investors, collect that capital, and then close on the investment. So from a counterparty perspective, we think we provide with a lot more confidence that we're going to be there, close on time with the borrower, have money funded in escrow and title. And then we're going to be responsible for syndicating that risk after we close. That's also a unique feature, I think. That is unique. And I appreciate you elaborating on just that timeline and, and laying that out. Mitch, do you have any daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? I don't, to be honest. My viewpoint in life is work with good people. Life's too short to deal with people who are, just won't treat you well. Treat people with respect, kindness, be gratitude, have a lot of gratitude, appreciate everything you got. I do have friends who really have all these different kind of alternatives. They meditate, they take cold showers, they exercise religiously every day. I've kind of vacillated through different parts of those things. But I think trying to just stay grounded is really the key that I have found. And it's not so easy all the time, right? Anxiety, stress, life throws curveballs at you at different points in time. And having a good support network to deal with those, I find it working hard. You know, I'm a hard worker. I like what I do. That's also actually, I'll end on that note, enjoying what you do. You know, I enjoy coming to work every day at Yield Street, work with the team that we have, good people who really want to see this company succeed and grow and help our investor base. That's really important. What is your best source for meeting new investors right now? You know, it's things like this. It's trying to get the word out and making people aware of who we are, what we do, and what value add we can provide to them. You know, again, I think about my own investment habits, you know, five, six years ago. It was really the same things that my parents did. It was bonds, it was stocks, it was mutual funds, it was closed-end funds, you know, more of a push model, a selling model to you. I think people nowadays, particularly the younger generation, really want to control their own habits and their own investment parameters. And there's a lot of companies out there that try to target that. And we think we're one important component of that, of that pie. I don't think stocks and bonds should be removed from a, a person's investment portfolio. But I don't know if the old you know, 60-40, 70-30 split is still the way in which to do it. You think about family offices are very affluent, high net worth families. Oftentimes, 20% is in real estate, right? Maybe 25% is in alternatives. And so the goal is to maybe explore and educate users about those different buckets and how to efficiently and access them. And that's part of Yield Street's mission. 
Nice. Well, Mitch, it's been a pleasure to meet you and just hear about your path. I mean, through commercial real estate and I mean, 20 years plus and different things about debt that you laid out that I feel like all of us should be familiar with when you're in the commercial real estate business. So a lot of listeners, you know, getting started, it's great for them to hear those things. And just talking about yield street versus syndication, vetting operators, minimums, returns, you know, repeat investors, all those things that you all are doing very well. And so grateful to have met you and have you on the show. Tell the listeners how they can, can learn more about you and yield street. Fantastic. Well, I want to say thank you as well, Wendy, for taking the time and having on this podcast. Uh, great job. I've looked, I've watched a bunch of them and you do a great job. So it's a good service for your users to learn more. So thank you for that. As far as Yield Street, go to www.yieldstreet.com. That's Y-I-E-L-D-S-T-R-E-E-T.com. It's very easy to sign up. You'll get our emails. You'll see our offerings. We have an IR team that is happy to respond to any questions or requests about information. And you know, check us out. We're happy to respond to any questions you guys have. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.